Indeed, it is a, a shocking realization that every human being has that uh, we're not in control. Um, we think we are at this stage, this particular stage in our life. We think that we are in control of our destiny, but really we have no clue. And it spins off into the rest of our lives after that because what little control we really do have, we don't use well. And uh, I mean, we, we know that it's the case now. Um, just a couple weeks ago, did you hear the, the story of the, the, the woman driving down I-71? And as she came upon an overpass, a deer jumped over the fence, over the guardrail of the overpass, and landed in her passenger seat. How random is that? We were talking about this with some friends last night at dinner, and they were like, I mean, how do you prepare for that? To which I just laughed out loud. What do you mean, how do you prepare for that? You don't prepare for that. But we all have that, that time we have to realize we're no longer in control. And... That usually happens around age two. Right? That's why we call it the terrible twos. Right? That's when we recognize, wait a minute, I am not the center of the universe, which then becomes this colossal, colossal war with those adult parental units in your life. Because up until that point, a cry and they came running. And that meant either food or a change of clothes and life was good again. You cried and the things changed that needed to happen. And then when you start to move and have a little more um, desire beyond that, you get the, the horrible interaction with the word no. And we've all seen it. We've all seen then that what little control we do have, we then lose. And we call that a temper tantrum. And I've seen them happen at amusement parks, the middle of Walmart, or right in the middle of the kitchen floor where we realize we're not in control. I even had one child who did not refuse to go to bed it wasn't because of fear. They, they wouldn't, just wouldn't stay in their bed. I mean, it's not a complicated task. All right, sweetheart, just lay down. You don't have to go to sleep. You just have to lay down and be still and be quiet. And, you know, that lasted about 30 seconds. We, we had to reverse the lock on her door. So that we locked it from the outside. Now, don't go talking to DSS or anything like that. I mean, it wasn't that she was scared or fearful. She was just simply strong-willed and was in her terrible twos and she needed to learn the boundaries and the meaning of the word no. I think that we, we find the, the same thing here with Jonah. And, and I'm willing to bet that most of us, if not all, have reoccurrences of those terrible two temper tantrums when we realize what is true that really we're not in control. 
And, and, because, and because of that, what little control we do have, then we don't use well. I mean, you, you know the greatest predictor of, of our health, of our, long, of our financial success, the greatest predictor of our education. You know what it is? The greatest single predictor. It's our birth. Where we were born, when we were born, and to whom. The greatest single predictor, predictor of all those things. And I'm willing to bet that not a single person in here had diddly to do with their birth. It just happened. Jonah thought he was in control. Or at least wanted to check it out. And as we read the passage, we'll see just exactly where that got him. Let's pray together. Gracious God, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you that, that you, you do speak no to us. You do speak truth to us. And that you let us uh, have our temper tantrums, but you continue in your love to show us what is right and good and that you indeed are sovereign. Teach us, continue to lead us, show us that that truth this day and what it means for us as a community and and for, for each one of us in our lives with you. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Jonah, it's found on page uh, 752. Read the first chapter um, with me today. Um, It'll be on the screen or it's uh, page 752 in your pew Bible. Hear the word of the Lord. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, saying, Go at once to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah set out to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid his fare and went on board to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and such a mighty storm came upon the sea that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried to his God. They threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. Jonah, meanwhile, had gone down into the hold of the ship and had laid down and was fast asleep. The captain came and said to him, What are you doing sound asleep? Get up! Call on your God. Perhaps the God will spare us a thought so that we do not perish. The sailors said to one another, Come, let us cast lots so that we may know on whose account this calamity has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us why this calamity has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? I am a Hebrew, he replied. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were even more afraid and said to him, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he told them so. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? 
for the sea was growing more and more tempestuous. He said to them, Pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great storm has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to bring the ship back to land. But they could not. For the sea grew more and more stormy against them. Then they cried out to the Lord. Please, O Lord, we pray, do not let us perish on account of this man's life. Do not make us guilty of innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked Jonah up, threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord even more. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. But the Lord provided a large fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. God is in control even in our disobedience. That's just how much we aren't in control, but God is. That's just how sure and certain God will fulfill His purposes and plans. Even if it's in spite of us. Even if it's through our disobedience. I mean, what we see from Jonah, God is clear in His speaking to Jonah. And God, Jonah understands what God is saying. Go to Nineveh. Go to this great city. Speak to them. Of me. To which Jonah then sets out in the opposite direction. Tarshish probably isn't even the name of a particular city. It just means into the sea. Just go get on a boat and go where it's going. So he goes down to Joppa, we're told. And there is provided a boat. He can get on. It's it's going to the ports of the the sea. So he can get... It's going in the opposite direction. I mean, God said go to London. And Jonah says, well, let's try Honolulu. I mean, it is direct, opposite direction from where God wanted him to do. And what we're, we're told is that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord. Now, Now, Jonah knew that Yahweh... God was the God of the land and the sea. He was the God of everywhere. He was the one true God over all the world. So he he knew he wasn't fleeing from God. But the presence of God in Jonah's day was in the temple. The the reminders of God was was among Jonah's people, was among the, the Hebrew people. The the Sabbath practices and all the things that would have reminded him over and over again of God's word, of God's um, direction for him, of his disobedience, was what he was fleeing. And you know that to be the case. Certainly not in your life, but probably the person next to you. When they were disobedient to God, they didn't want to come to church. You know, they, didn't, they didn't want to come to the, to the, to the reminder, to the people of, of their disobedience. And that's what Jonah was doing. He was fleeing from those things that reminded him of God. From the, the presence of the Lord in the temple and in God's people. So he was going as far away as he could from any of those 
reminders. And yet God didn't let him go. Gets in the boat, the storm comes up, the waves crash against there. And and Jonah now, not only disobedience, now he's probably, in the, the... the language uh, uh, written here, being fast asleep, he's in that kind of sleep of depression. You know, that escapism. That self-medicating tendency that we can have towards what, whatever might medicate us. From substances to TV, entertainment, whatever. That's where Jonah is now. In that kind of sleep of such direct disobedience to God. And in the midst of the storm, the captain finds him sleeping and the captain then says, it's not, you don't find it in the translation, but in the Hebrew, the exactly the same words that God tells him. Get up. Get up and go. Which are sort of the same words that God gives to Jonah. Get up and, and, and go. Call on your God because maybe he'll take notice and he'll save us. God is in control even in disobedience, even in our disobedience. It's amazing because we know the rest of the story here, right? I mean, we know what what happens with Jonah, not only with the sailors, but also with the Ninevites. Jonah is not disqualified from ministry even in his direct disobedience. He is not disqualified from ministry according to God's plan. That's good news. It's good news for me. And I imagine it's good news for a number of us here who have things in our present or in our past that we would naturally think would disqualify us from God's work, from doing God's work, from, from being used by God for God's fulfilling God's plan. Our own personal sins against God do not disqualify us. They're not going to stop God from using you and me, from participating in God's rescue of the world. Now, we'll talk about it a little later. Jonah could have made this a whole lot easier. He wouldn't have got, probably wouldn't have gotten billing in the Bible. But it would have made it a whole lot easier for him to carry out the thing by obeying in the beginning. But what we see in Jonah here for us is one good news. That we are not disqualified because of our sin. Because God is in control even in spite of us. And we see from here the significance and importance of desiring God's will instead of discerning it. We see the significance here of desiring to do God's will over discerning it. Of doing it over figuring it out. It's a a trap. That we can fall in at times. That I can fall in. Catch myself trying to discern what God... Trying to figure out what does God want me to do. And that's a good question to ask that we need to ask at times. But it's really secondary 
to the important thing of being sure our heart and mind is in line to desire to do God's will. Jonah had no problem discerning God's will. He knew what God wanted him to do. Problem was he really, he wasn't ready and willing to do it. He, he hadn't been formed in his very soul to desire God and desire God's will so that when it did become clear, he was ready to do it. God is in control in, in our disobedience. God is in control even in the disobedience of others. And some of us here are victims of the disobedience of others, like the sailors. And those poor guys, they're innocent. They were doing their job. They were in the boat. They were headed to their ports of call. They had their cargo. And little did they know that taking Jonah with them was going to lead to their disaster. Now, I know, this, this brings up the whole mystery the whole, the whole mystery of the, the mixture of, of human actions and God's plan that, that ultimately accomplished God's plan but with a myriad of consequences, good and bad. I mean, the, the, the human, the freedom that God gives Jonah to disobey and act and then brings in these other sailors into the whole plan, that's a mystery of how all that mixes together and one that we never understand until we see God face to face. Because these sailors, I mean, they lost all their stuff. They had horrible, traumatic experience. And on top of that, the, the delay to Nineveh, that they heard of God's word and call to repentance. I mean, a question that goes unanswered in this whole mystery is what about the Ninevites that died because of Jonah's disobedience? Who never had the chance to hear his word because of that delay? Even in the disobedience of others that has harmed us, God is still in control. And God can, can still use even that, even that what is evil, that's what God specializes in, taking what is evil and then making it good. Just like He did with Jonah. Took the disobedience of Jonah used it with him to, to bring about teaching these sailors who the, the God of the heaven and the sea is. And then eventually, through the rest of the book, as we'll look at next week, still brings them to Nineveh to share the, the word of God to the Ninevites can respond and receive His grace and mercy. Just like in these sailors, we recognize when either our own actions or the actions of others are actions of disobedience. And it leads to, to trouble, to pain, to distress. We recognize, though, that God is still in control. And will, His purposes will not be thwarted. 
We can recognize that personally and we can recognize that as a community. It's a, a community of faith. We can look back in our history. It seems in the last couple of weeks I've had a number of people just sharing with me of times that they encountered painful events at church. And, and for them, they, they wondered, you know, was, was that painful event in this church, whether it was 15 years ago or whether it was 15 days ago, is that going to disqualify the church, College Hill Presbyterian Church, from, from carrying out God's plan? Well, the word from Jonah ought to be clear. No. It doesn't. God is in control even in the disobedience of God's people. Even in the pain and the grief in our lives and in the life of the church. So if that's you, if that's where you are, if your relationship with the, the church in general, whether it was a painful experience here or a painful experience in another place, and I don't mean to belittle the disobedience that you encountered. But, but don't live in it. God's power is greater than even the disobedience that harmed you whenever and however it happened. Claim God's power over the disobedience, whether it's in, from you or from others, whether it's outside or inside the church. Because God's sovereignty is greater even than disobedience. Now, it, maybe, and maybe that's what this call is all about. Someone saying, well, if that's the case, then it's almost fatalistic. Let's just do what we want. And God's in control. Well, you think Jonah would have said that? You think the, 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 the sailors would have said that? I mean, don't you, you think, what if Jonah had both discerned God's word and desired to do it? What if he had obeyed? I mean, what a, what a joyous trip that would have been to Nineveh. You know, knowing that God had given him a call and that he was going to take the word to Nineveh. If he had obeyed, as I said earlier, it may not have made the Bible. But it would have been a whole lot easier for him. It would have been a joy. Instead of him living out a temper tantrum of the terrible twos. It would have been a maturity of his, of hearing God's word and, and then sharing it with others and experiencing that grace and that joy. I spoke with uh, Jan Osborne just uh, yesterday and, and she was saying how she goes down every week to Courage to Change, which is a ministry affiliated with the City Gospel Mission with women who've been incarcerated and addicted and 
And, and she said, you know, there are times when I go down there willingly. There are other times when I got a whole bunch of other things to do and I'm tired and I don't really want to go. And as I go, it may be different. But every time I leave, I have more life in my soul than when I arrived. And just this week, she went with joy and a, a woman who was there who was 23 accepted Christ as her Lord and Savior for the first time. How much joy it was for her to joyfully go, to joyfully participate in what God was doing, and then to joyfully enjoy the results of what God had done. So for us as a church and for us individually, let us come clean. Relinquish the lie that we believe we're in control. And what little control we do have, let's surrender it to God. Let's use what little control we do have. God, you take over. I, only, I not only want to know your will, I want to do it. And, and let God lead you in that pathway of, of grace and mercy. Of confession of asking for forgiveness where you've wronged another, granting forgiveness where another has wronged you in His power of forgiveness. Let Him lead you into to giving generously and joyously, being a cheerful giver with your time and, and resources to the work that He is doing. And live in, as we just sang, trusting obedience in a joy in a happiness of being in line, not only knowing, but doing the, the work that God has for us to do. We can stop running like Jonah, can stop the, the temper tantrums, stop the, the blaming of others who have wronged us, recognizing that God is in control, that I'm not and you're not. And therefore, surrendering to Him, trusting, obeying, and rejoicing in Him. Amen.